Our gospel continues from last week through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So it just began uh, in last week's reading. Anybody remember what they were? So the Beatitudes, we went through the Beatitudes. Raise your hand if you tried to live the Beatitudes last week. You don't have to raise your hand. But there's a way in which, yeah, not to be mean, but like, if we didn't think about the Beatitudes from last week until Father mentioned it just now, folks, what are we doing, right? Like, this is supposed to look like something. Like, we want to be transformed. And so, yeah, it's helpful to remember, you know, what's going on? What is Jesus doing? The readings and the seasons of the church are literally given to you to transform you into Jesus. They're supposed to, they're supposed to do stuff. So we want to really be generous in giving them space to take root in our lives. We want our lives and our hearts and our minds to be good soil where God's seeds can, can bear fruit, right? So we want to give them some time and, and some attention. So, okay, maybe we might have forgotten about the Beatitudes, but we're moving into a new little section of the Sermon on the Mount. It's really important to just pay attention to who Jesus is talking to uh, in the scriptures. So the audience that he is, he is speaking to is always helpful for us. It helps to identify us and, and place ourselves um, and to hear what we're supposed to hear. So today Jesus is sa- saying uh, these words to whom? Did you notice? His disciples. So in the scripture, roughly, there's these different groups of people. We kind of talk about this sometimes. Of the people that are kind of, at times, more likely than not, against people, you have the Pharisees, the scribes, um, people who are actually like really into their faith and trying to live it out. Sometimes they're opposed to Jesus. And then you have the people that are kind of with Jesus to a greater or lesser extent. There's the people that are just interested in Jesus. And those are the crowds. The crowds are the multitudes. So they're interested in Jesus. He's kind of fascinating to them, and they're coming along to hear what he's about to say. Inside of that group is a smaller group, and those are the disciples. Disciples are people that are following Jesus, are actually changing their lives, and at times leaving things behind in order to now travel with Jesus. They would have literally like gone to place, place to place with Jesus at times. And then inside of that is an even closer, more intimate group, and that's the apostles. There's 12 of them. So the question is, where are you? Uh, hopefully, your answer is, I'm a disciple. That's where we want to be if we're coming here. Sometimes we're crowds, meaning we're kind of interested in what Jesus wants to tell us, but we're not, we're not totally in, we're not going to totally do it. But we want to be disciples, which means if Jesus is talking to the disciples in the Gospels, who else is he talking to? You. So this is for you. It happened 2,000 years ago, but the words of the Gospels are alive, and Jesus is still speaking to us. So he's speaking to you here and now today. What he says to you, we're going to jump back to. First, we're going to go to the first reading. It says, Thus says the Lord, Share your bread with the hungry. Shelter the oppressed and the homeless. Clothe the naked. Do not turn your back on your own. So God's telling us how to live and why. It's really important, um, yeah, even reading the gospel, I got this sense of, of Jesus trying to convey something to us. We could read the first reading and hear the list of things that God wants you to do. And I think sometimes we think, I need to do do these things or else. Does that make sense? I need to take care of the hungry and the homeless and clothe the naked or else I'm going to be in trouble. Or else it's a sin and I'm going to be punished. There, there, There may be some truth in that somewhere, but that's not what God's talking about here. He says, if you do that, 
gosh, then your light shall break forth like the dawn. Like you'll be glorious. You'll, you'll just be so beautiful. He also says, and your wound shall be quickly healed. Sometimes we have wounds, we have pain, and we think, I need to focus more on myself. I need to fix myself. Maybe there's this encouragement of like, no, just, just love. Go love. And maybe things will find their rightful place. Maybe healing will come in that way in stepping out. It says, and then your vindication shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And when you call to the Lord, he, he will answer. And when you cry for help, he'll say, hey, here I am. So God's not saying, do the right thing so you don't get punished. He's like, do the right thing, because that's what you're made for. Like, you're made to do beautiful things. That, that's what I sense Jesus saying. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, which means to you, and he says what? He says, you, you are the salt of the earth. We hear salt of the earth. He says that somebody's salt of the earth. That usually means pretty simple. Uh, that's not what Jesus is saying. What does salt do? Salt enhances everything. It makes it richer. It makes flavors come out, right? Uh, it makes everything, yeah, just, just more exciting and savory and delicious and good. Jesus is saying, you, you are salt. And you, there's something about you that makes everything better. Unlike salt, there's no such thing as too much of you. No, you can be full bore. Yeah, you're just good. So he's speaking to them individually. Yeah, your role, your potential, your capacity is to make the world better. You're a gift to the world. You make it a richer, better place. But not by becoming something else. That's really important. You don't have to turn salt into something else. No, salt helps these other things come to the surface and be noticed. So there is a something about you, 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 like God made you, that has the capacity to transform the world. Do you believe that? That you are a gift to the world. I think there's a, there's a cry of Jesus' heart that you would know how good you are. What a gift you are. Now, at the same time, we're all weak and flawed. Amen? That, that's not a problem for him. That doesn't mean, he's not saying, like, you, you'll be the salt of the earth once you kind of get your stuff sorted out and fix yourself, you know? Right now, you're the, uh, I don't know, paprika of the earth. But someday, someday you'll be salt. No, no, no. No, even now, with your weakness and failings, you're, you are a tremendous gift. St. Paul, writing in our second reading, has this confidence of like, oh, I'm not successful because I'm a good, I'm a good talker or because I do everything just right. No, I'm successful. My, my word and my labors are successful because Jesus Christ is alive in me because he's, he's working in me. St. Paul was remembering when he first went preaching to the Corinthians. He says, when I came to you proclaiming the mystery of God, I did not come with sublimity of words or of wisdom. Meaning like, he wasn't using fancy words. He wasn't overly brilliant. He says, I came to you in weakness and in fear. I was freaking out. I felt really powerless. And I was trembling. He may have meant that literally. Like when Paul first showed up in Corinth to tell them the gospel, he felt super incapable. And he might have actually been shaking as he first started talking to them. His words were not persuasive words of wisdom, but he says, but a demonstration of spirit and power because God used them and the spirit anointed them and stuff happened. Paul offered to God his weakness, 
and that's all he had. And God's like, perfect, yeah. You, you were the salt of the earth. Something about the way that God created you and shaped you and formed you, that you have a capacity, a power, to make the world better. That's your mission. He goes on. He says, you, what? Are the light of the world. Like, you make things better. You make things brighter. You're beautiful. So, so I don't want you to be hidden or tucked away. No, I want you to shine. Do you believe that God actually at times wants to show you off? Like, he wants people to see you. He's really, he's proud of you. You're the light of the world. A city set on a mountain can't be hidden. And you don't light a lamp and then hide it under a bushel basket. No, you set it on a lampstand. God wants to, like, set you out. He wants people to see you because you're really good and you bring light. He says, your light must shine before others so that they would see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. So why should we do good deeds? Because we're made for it. Like you're a beautiful thing that's supposed to bring love to the world and good deeds should flow out of your goodness. He doesn't need slaves that run around trying to do good stuff because they're, they're worried that he's going to punish them. No, no, no. No, you're beautiful and good. Um, so Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It's interesting too, he's speaking to them at the beginning of everything. Like they haven't done anything yet. They haven't proven themselves. They're just people who are captivated by Jesus and following him. And in this moment on the Sermon on the Mount, he's just moved by their beauty. And he's just like, wow, look at you guys. You're the salt. You make everything better. You're a light that shines out. But he also, in his desire for them to be who they're supposed to be, there's this kind of lament. He says, if salt loses its flavor, then what can it be seasoned with? You don't put salt on salt. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Once it's not salty, then, like, just throw it away. It's not, it's not good for anything. This isn't supposed to be a threat, but it's supposed to be a beckoning towards greatness. Jesus wants to let you to live your life in a way that's beautiful. And he wants to live his, his life in you and, and to transform the world through you. And if that doesn't happen, oh gosh, that's just such a tragedy. Because that's, that's what you're made for. God has a plan for saving the world an actual plan here and now to save the world and you literally, your name's in the plan. You're part of the plan. It's a terrifying thing that God is choosing you and me as instruments of the salvation of the world. That's terrifying. Yeah? Sometimes you would be like, hey Jesus, how about you just do it? How about you just like, we'll cut out the middleman. You just do it. He's like, no, I want, I want you. I've chosen you to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world and you have that capacity Every one of you, I promise you that. You have the capacity to be a bearer of God's glory and love and goodness. And that's your mission. Jesus is talking to each of them. He's also talking to all of them. So I hereby talk to all of you, parishioners and some visitors. Welcome, you're very welcome here. Although I'm going to put you to work. Uh, parishioners of Our Lady of Perpetual Help, you're, you're the salt of the earth. You're very good and beautiful. And Jesus wants to sprinkle you all over this town and this community and all these families to enrich them. To bring out the flavor and the goodness of things. And if, if you don't do that, you're not good for anything. 
It's all, it's all a waste. Not as a threat. It's just, it's just a waste of, of beauty and goodness. Nobody buys a bouquet of flowers from Hy-Vee and then like puts it in the freezer out in the garage. Like, what? <laughs> like, what a waste. Do you know how much flowers cost? If you don't know how much flowers cost, you should buy your wife some flowers because you, you should know how much flowers cost. Anyway, that's not the point. Um, yeah, what a waste. What a tragedy. So you, parishioners, Our Lady Perpetual Help, you're literally, you're literally the light of this community. You're the salt. Jesus doesn't have a plan of saving ore that doesn't involve you. It's just us, folks. Like, it's us. You are a gift to this community. You are a gift to your family. You're very beautiful and you're very good. Jesus desires that we would go out and we would love. That we would turn towards those in need and we would spend ourselves for them. And then his salvation would shine and our vindication would break forth and a lot of the healing that we need would take place if we forgot about ourselves to some extent and loved those around us. We're good at doing this around Christmas time, yeah? There's some magic of Christmas. There's something in the air that's like, let's get coats. Let's make sure everybody has gifts, right? Let's make sure everybody has food. And then it's December 26th, we're like, ah, okay. <laughs> Done being nice to you. But what if, we, what if we lived as if it was, was Christmas time all the time? Not like dietary, like we don't need diabetes for everybody, but like in service and kindness towards others. What if we actually did that? Wouldn't that be crazy? They'd be like, something's in the water over at OLPH. Those people are weird. They're just like, I didn't do anything, and they just showed up and did a kind thing. They just loved me. It's wild. I don't know what's going on over there. This is how Christianity spread. Because of love. So we want it to spread again. And we want love to flow through us again. Again, Jesus just looks at you as something so beautiful. Uh, and we're just gonna, I'm going to invite you to just pray with these words. Jesus looking at you and saying, gosh, you're, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You have this capacity and this potential that's just incredible. Just you. Even in your weaknesses. Even in your flaws. You. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. <laughs>